Welcome to the audio. Uh, uh, welcome. Yep. Uh, yep. You said you were going to gonna the do it. Auto-ish podcast. I'm Pete, and that's Mike. Uh, yeah, here I am. <laughs> <laughs> Waiting for Pete to screw up and say audio-ish. Yep. And I and I got it. <laughs> we're off to a good start for episode yeah. three. How's everything going, Mike? Oh man. <laughs> Everything's awesome. You know, every time we take a break, things just get so much smoother. Mm-hmm. Same with with the first um, episode. After that break, it, it, anyone who listened to episode one, you got to get past like twenty minutes because yeah. after that, it gets it gets just so much better. I agree. And uh, and this appears to be the, the same. So uh, nice little break. On to episode three. Yes. And uh, feeling good. Loving my new microphone. By the yeah, way. Yeah. Yeah. It suits you. It looks good. Yeah. I like it. Uh, we're gonna test out another new new segment. Um, what's aged the worst? And okay, gonna... man, I gotta start. All right, <laughs> just jump right in. Let all right, rip. all right. I got I gotta so, and I gotta stick with cars. Mm. At least yes. for my yeah. what, what's aged worse for me has to has to be cars. At least this week, um, and immediately now there's tons of cars that come to mind. Mm. I mean, I, I could go on for days with, with the cars that aged the worst, or, or I, I would almost say some of the, the worst cars ever made probably is, is, is the, would be the name of the episode I would do. But, <laughs> um, but I think probably my favorite car, and now well, maybe I'll talk about the, the Pontiac Aztec some other day, but the one that came to my mind first, which is the one I'm going to stick with, is the Cadillac Cimarron. And Cinnamon? <laughs> Cimarron. Never heard. Of I, it. I don't know if I'm saying that right, but I believe so. I was around back in when these cars came out. So Cadillac, and, and this is a rough time for American auto man, manufacturing in general. So it's not just Cadillac that made really bad cars in the early '80s. Um, <laughs> even some of the late '70s cars were were pretty rough. Um, but when we were having this conversation before we started this podcast, the Cimarron came to mind immediately. And this was just a really poor judgment on, on Cadillac's part. And this is one of those things where I, I wish, and this car came out in 1981. So I wish I was in the boardroom in 79 or 80. <laughs> and somebody has this, you know, th- this presentation on, on board. Because, you know, back then I'm sure it wasn't on a, mm-hmm. there wasn't, uh, you know, slideshows and stuff. Um, he's got the foam quarry coming. Yeah, in. he's got he's the. Like, I got this idea, guys. It's called the cinnamon. It's going to be our new hot car. <laughs> yeah, here, here's our uh, our Japanese fighter. It's going to be good on gas. It's going to have a small four cylinder engine, but it's going to carry the Cadillac name. And the guy puts up on the board the ca- the picture of the Cadillac Cimarron, which it's a Chevy Cavalier, man. Mm. I mean, that's the worst part of this whole thing. And Cadillac says, hey, you know what? We're going to take this four-cylinder Chevy Cavalier, which was on a, a platform they called the J platform at the time. So there was there was an Oldsmobile that, that was under that platform. I think it might have been the Forenza. Um, you had the Chevy Cavalier, which I think did fairly well for Chevy mm-hmm. at the time. I think it was actually an okay car in terms of volume. I don't think it was a great car, but I think it, it sold fairly well at the time. Um, but Cadillac introduces this car in 1981, with a 1.8 liter four-cylinder engine and 88 horsepower. Speed demon, look out. Yeah. And it's 
it's a cavalier, and everybody knows it. I mean, so, that's the worst part. So the this this guy who goes in to make his presentation, it's worse than we had initially initially thought. It's not just that he's going in to pitch the this car that he misspelled cinnamon. He's actually forgot to do his homework, and he's like, "Oh, that presentation's today. We're just going to copy this other car." There you go. And I hadn't like, even thought of that. Yeah. No, you're right. He 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 just says, "Hey guys, give me the boards from the." From when we pitched right. the Cavalier. Yeah. And he's got a Sharpie and some white out. And he's like... Shh, yeah. Shh. And he puts a Cadillac yeah. badge on the front. And he goes, look. Cinnamon. There it is. <laughs> but it's 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 tragic. I mean, it's... <laughs> <laughs> the car... The car is an absolute travesty. To, to the Cadillac brand, to the... To the you know, to all of GM's products, in my opinion. I mean, just an awful car. So. They take a Cavalier... They put leather interior in it. They put a Cadillac badge on it. They do a two-tone paint job. Well, and tones. it still looks like a damn Cavalier. <laughs> I mean, it's got better headlights. Mm-hmm. And, and just so all of you in the audience know, I, I put it up on our, our big screen in the in the conference room here. So so Pete's getting a, a good eye, eye full of the, the Cimarron for it's the first beauty, time. It's a guys. Yeah. It's real nice. So if you haven't done so already, go on your... Uh, on your phone or on your laptop and, and type in Cadillac Cimarron because you're going to get a chuckle. This <laughs> thing's a real, real gem. I picture the person driving this to be wearing a members-only jacket and have, oh, like, the, yeah. the oversized glasses with, like, the purple tint that, like, fades as it goes down. Yeah. Right? Yeah, I'm with you. Yeah. Yep. That's rough. That's rough. Yeah, well, you know, there is a there's a bright spot. Hmm. And it was like uh, 85, 86, somewhere around there. They decide to put the 2.8 liter six cylinder in the car and bring it up to, I believe, a whopping 130 horsepower. Come on, get it out of the track. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's a 50% increase in horsepower. We're talking about a pretty significant improvement. So, I mean, that's a that's a real jump there. But I'm going to imagine 80s American-made car reliability issues. Awful. Yeah. I mean, absolute junk. Yeah. Just, just yeah, poorly made. And I hate to say this because I, I'm, you know, I, I'm definitely a, a, a patriot and, and right. you know, and a car enthusiast in general. I mean, I, I love all cars if I can. But th- this car just, it, it, it pains me to know that, that an American car company made this thing. Well, I mean, Ford, any American-made car at the time had a different manufacturing process completely. So um, I believe it was... This American Life did a look back at the American cars and their manufacturing process, and when they did that, they looked at how the assembly line and how it was how it worked, and right. if as the car was being made and going through, if there was a mistake, a missing part, what have you, they didn't stop, right? Because union workers, hourly wages, right, sure, it seemed more expensive to stop everything, pause the assembly line to fix the problem, didn't matter car went all the way through with the problem it was labeled this is the problem with the car and they brought it to the end of the assembly line and they tried to go back and fix it well what would happen when it would go back to get fixed it wouldn't get fixed sure these cars would get out on the road with major major problems and if they found that the car was too damaged to uh, not be sold if you lived in mawa then you're well aware they would literally roll the fords into the rampa reservation wow so there was this whole there's a, there's a movie made about it. Um, I got to look that up. Yeah, it's it's it gets even crazier than that. We'll we'll leave that for another day. But you know, they the Japanese 
And now they're making cars. If there's a problem, the assembly line stops. They fix the problem right there, make sure that doesn't repeat itself, and then they go forward. And over time, as they continue to do that, not only did it become more fiscally responsible to do it with their vehicles, but also they became known for better reliability, a la Honda and Toyota and so on. So they brought the American executives over to Japan, and they were like, okay, guys, like they're going to teach you how you should be doing this. And the Japanese were like, okay, yeah, like we'll, we'll show them. That's fine. Right. And they kind of prepped them. Like these are some of the customs and these are some of the things that you are going to have to do and how to be and et cetera. And it didn't go so well. And they came back and just kept doing it the way they were doing it. Wow. <laughs> well, I, I've been to, uh, to a number of BMW production facilities and, and, the, um, you know, the manufacturing plant in Munich and the first time I was in the South Carolina plant, which has now become huge, I, I think I was there in 2000, the first time I was there, um, there was a, they were building the X5 at the time, and the X5 came out in 99 as a 2000 model in the 4.4 liter, the eight-cylinder came out first. Um, so I'm down there, they're building this X5. And they're building, at the time, they were building the X, they're the Z3 and the X5. That mm-hmm. was, those are the only two cars that were being manufactured in South Carolina at the time. The Z3 was built probably 80% by hand. Mm. And on the other side of the, the production facility was the X5, which is 80% computer, like robots. I mean, just almost, probably more than 80% robot. Wow. At the end of the assembly line for the X5, was an X5 that was being completely disassembled and torn apart. Hmm. It was a 100% functional X5 that came off the assembly line that was not a sold car, and they just randomly picked one every single day, and they tore the car to pieces. Wow. They separated every weld. They disassembled the whole car, looking for any you know, anomalies, any problems in production, and that just floored me. Yeah. I mean, they, were, they sacrificed a X5 every day or once a week or whatever it may have been. I don't know the exact time frame, but the day I was there, they had an X5 and they're tearing it apart. And I'm like, well, you know, what happened? Yeah. No no known error with the car, no known anything. They're mm-hmm. just, it, it's part of their quality. It was part of production. They they were tearing this thing apart. I thought, wow, that's, that's a serious commitment to quality. Yeah, that's impressive. I would have never thought that. I mean, it makes sense that you're saying it, but I mean... When you think about how quickly a lot of these Japanese cars gain reputation for being reliable vehicles, you know, I mean, that's, you think about the German reputation, there's there's no doubt about a German-made car. I mean, it's joked about, oh, it's, it's German. Like, Yeah, I mean, know, we, we, have, we have technicians in the shop today and, and diehard BMW enthusiasts that still drive the E53, which is the, the chassis cool. code for that X5 at that time frame. Um, and most of them like the older ones, like the 2005s, mm. um, you know, with the three liter that happened to be a really durable engine as well. But th- they just they drive really well. They're very durable. Was, we see them with 300, 350,000 miles on them all the time. Wow. Yeah. And they're just really good cars. Yeah. Well, there's something to be said for that. And I don't feel like vehicles in general, certain vehicles get get enough credit for their legacy. Right. So that that would be one, you know. The Lexus that we discussed in episode two <clears throat> is is has a little bit of a cult following. Oh, no doubt. Yeah, it's uh, a good car. You know, I, I have a Wagoneer, and it's the 2.2. It's an 89. 
um, that particular vehicle. It's got 260,000 miles on it. It's going to go for another hundred. It's easily, you know, sure. it's just made very, very well all the way through. Um, yeah, and that's a, a, a simple car. Right. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. And, and correct me if I'm wrong, it's probably a 258. Yeah. And you can actually take it apart, like, with two tools. You can take the entire car apart with two tools. Yeah, that wouldn't surprise me. Yeah. yeah. It's uh, it's nice because you can do most of the work on it yourself. <clears throat> it's not super complicated. And, um, you know, my father-in-law will, will, will jump under the hood and be like, this is how you do this. And, and it's, you know. You can show me how to do it real quick, which is great. Right. You know. Yeah, we don't do a lot of that with the newer BMWs. Yeah, probably not, right? <laughs> no. The guys go to school for years and years. And yeah, yeah. Most of their repairs are done on the computer anyway now. But there are these, like, you know, these legacy cars that are just tough as nails that, you know, you can always go back to, and they're always just going to keep on going. I mean, even now, like, <clears throat> how many older Camrys do you see on the road, right? Cam- Camrys oh, that are and 20 they, years old. That, they, they still, they got to, like, a... Two or three thousand dollar value, and they just don't go any below that because yeah. they're, everyone knows, even if it's got two hundred thousand on it, it's, it's got value. It's right. going to keep going. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, just I have a question about yeah. this, this particular Cadillac Cinnamon. Um, the, <laughs> I'm just going to keep going with that. The, yeah. So, I started to find because I'm watching like Doug Demuro videos. Sure. Yeah. You know, yeah. Right. He's become really popular. Right. Has and, been for and a while. He's he talks sometimes about values of cars, rarity of cars. Right. There's the the Nissan Murano that has the um, the soft top, which is just so weird looking, but it is. Yeah, but, it's a funny car. Yeah, but it has like this unique, very niche following where people like actually seek it out. And I believe in its first year of manufacturing, that car only sold two hundred nationally, and I believe the number still doesn't exceed five hundred. So if you do see one on the road, it is a unique thing. But there's this oh, it's rare. Following. Yeah. So a car like this, the Cimarron, like do y- you imagine that there's do you think no, no, absolutely not. Yeah, no, I know where you're going with that. Yeah, no, absolutely. Is there not. is there a market there for it? Is there some? I don't know if there's a single one on the road no, no, at this point. True. I really, yeah. I don't know. I don't remember the last time I saw one of these in person, yeah. like in motion. Yeah, yeah, it's been a long time. Mm. I don't. I really don't think it was a durable car to begin with. And um, there's a there's a car show called Radwood. That I haven't attended yet, but it, it's something that that I that I'm really interested in. Yeah, it is specifically uh, '80s, '80s and '90s cars only. Okay, and the guys that started it were were just getting tired of going to car shows and seeing '55 Chevys. Yeah, that's cool. And you know, hot rods and mm-hmm. and the same cars. They would keep going to the car show, car show after car show, and it was the same. You know, Mustangs and Camaros and and that stuff. So they start this car show, and it has to be an 80s or 90s car. And, you know, those are really tough times for a lot of manufacturers, not just American cars. Those are tough times. They were very strict Mm. emission standards, and, you know, gas prices were really high, and Mm. just a lot of things going on out there that that made cars, uh, you know, poorly built, I guess. Yeah. Um, But they quite frequently in, in the pictures I, I look at they'll have like a, a pristine Cadillac Cimarron hmm. or That's you know cool. like a Yugo yeah. like a the, an original Yugo from yeah. 84 or whenever That's that cool. car came out yeah. that you know that that shouldn't have survived yeah and somebody just had it in a garage and it's like yeah th- <laughs> this car was 4900 when it was brand new yeah, yeah. and you know and that's I, I mean 
I'm a lot older than you, so I, I remember that Yugo when it was a new car right. and, it was, and the ads of that thing under $5,000 brand new. Yeah. <laughs> and just how badly made that thing was. <laughs> That's funny. Uh, so we're talking about some bad cars. Let's change it up. Let's talk about some Let's awesome go for it. cars. Okay. We teased it a little bit. Episode 2. That's some new BMW product. You were uh, lucky enough to get a preview of it. Top secret, they locked you down. They patted you down. No yeah, yeah, it was life. crazy. I've, I've, <laughs> I've been to a lot of BMW events. I've never had to go through security screening like I was at the airport um, and then get wanded down to make sure I wasn't hiding anything. And I did find out later, I was talking to, after the event, I was talking to one of the guys in security, and um, he said at one of the events, one of the attendees had a, a an inhaler. Hmm. And, you know, he, he, he went through the security thing and they're like, oh, and it set the alarm off. And he's like, oh, no, this is my asthma inhaler. And it had a camera in it. Ooh. And they, you know, they, they you know, somebody was on to him. They're like, why is this guy, you know, squirting his inhaler towards the car? And, and you know, they, huh. they, they pull him aside and they find out that it's this little micro camera Damn. with a, a, you know, micro SD slot. And it's got a little car. So they, they confiscate the card. And you know, send him on yeah. his way. But this, he had, he was trying to get some pictures of a, a you know early production BMW. Wow. And, um, so they take it very seriously. And, and once I got in the room, I realized why. Right. Um, I got to see the new M3 and the new M4, which are um, you know probably at this point being end of January 2020, probably close to a year away. So, How close to concept are they versus actually road rendering? You know, that's a that's a really good question because there's a lot of uh, renderings out there on yeah. the on the web, and if you type in 2021 BMW M3 or M4, you're going to see a ton of pictures out there. Um, the majority of those pictures are not even close, mm. and um, mm. it's it's laughable. Like I want to get on some of these forums <laughs> and be like, you have no idea. The car does not look like this. I have seen this thing. Um, but I did find one that was truly a spy shot that somebody had taken. The car is on an assembly line, and it's shot f- like through a doorway, and with an they, and it's the yeah with an inhaler, and it's the it is the grills of the okay. the the new M3, and that is the the point that's got everybody fired up right now. Ooh, all the, right, so the, the grills, gotta, yeah, the, the grill. grills change really dramatically. Um, well, that's gonna hold up. Stop the podcast. We're going to have some people real upset with a change to the grill. Oh, oh, no question. When the X7 grill came out enlarged, we had yeah. people up in arms. So Yeah, yeah, a lot of people did not warm up to it. Not initially. I, I think that's kind of changed. Yeah, I, I mean, I actually like it. Now I yeah. look at the old style. Yeah, like, no, no, the new style looks way cooler. But, I mean, what... what? Yeah, it, you know, when you have a, a, a more evolutionary kind of change in a body style... Um, and that's kind of what BMW is more known for. It doesn't make a lot of noise, mm. you know. It, it, a lot of the and it's I think it's typically German. They're, yeah. they're just the, these changes are evolutionary, and they're just kind of oh, it's definitely a BMW. It's right. identifiable as a BMW. Um, when they make these more revolutionary changes in body style, and I'll point back to the 2002 Seven Series, the 745. Everybody hated that car. Mm. It had the bangle butt. It's this. It's that. It's you know, and. You know, I didn't warm up to that car right. that much either. But, but this when the X7 came out and everyone said, and or even the 7 Series for that matter, when it came out with a big grill. Oh, you know, eventually the whole front's going to be a grill, and what are they doing? Mm. But for me, 
and and I think everyone that kind of warmed up to it, which everyone will, it immediately made the previous body style look old. Yeah. Like instantaneously, overnight, yeah. that previous body style was old looking to me. Mm. And I, and I think that's part of what BMW's going for. We're God, we're looking to to look uh, you know stand out a little bit more. I, and, I I'll, I'll just not to interject, but I noticed certain manufacturers in their next evolution they're going with these sharper lines kind of more cut uh in some cases making the cars look a little leaner some are looking a little flatter um you know is are we going in that direction are we going more towards something that's uniquely bmw which bmw tends to do and i like that when they do these evolutionary and revolutionary changes it's always distinctly BMW. It's not that they're not following a trend, but they make it their own. I always appreciate that. So kind of tell us a little bit about that. that I mean, I'm yeah, curious. I think, um, you know, for me, when I first saw the M3, and, and, and I was talking to a couple of people who'd seen it before me. They, some people got to see it. Any dealer that, that's an M certified dealer got to see the car the day before I did. Mm. Um, and I was talking to him and, and that night before I got to see the car. And I said, what do you think? And, and you know, what can I expect? And they all said the same thing. They all said it's very different, but it's very cool, mm. and you're gonna like it. And it's it's powerful looking, and um, you know they finally did it. And, and and you know for me who I'm a real enthusiast, and you know me, I, I like my my E46. I mean that's right. you know to me that's an M3. Yeah, um, and that's just my my taste. And every every M3 after the E46 M3 was a little heavier. And a little bigger, and a little, and and you know these guys are saying, "Oh wait, wait till you see this car. It's it's sharp. It's that car's back again. It's 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 hot. It's mm. you know it looks smaller and more nimble, and and all these things that we expect an M3 to be." Um, but from a design standpoint, the grills have become vertical instead of the traditional horizontal. Um, the the pictures that you're seeing online currently are these big almost um squared off grills and it's the whole front of the car that's not the car at all mm. um and that actually is the the grill layout of the i4 which i got to see also um and the i4 is going to be an all electric four mm. series basically and it's bmw's answer to tesla okay it's it's a real tesla competitor the uh the range is going to be 330 miles it okay. is a purely electric car, um, and it is a really good-looking car, which mm. which is what we need because the i3 was a little quirky and definitely catered to a very specific customer. i3 was the um, one that was a little more boxy. Yeah, bubbly, yeah. boxy's of? being kind, I think. Okay. But, yeah, we'll go with boxy for <laughs> okay. now. Yeah, um, yeah. it was definitely a, a unique car, the i3. But the i4 looks like a car. It looks like a BMW. It's very futuristic. Um, and will have the performance of a BMW in the range uh, to compete with a Tesla. So, nice. um, yeah, looking forward to that. That car, um, later this year, actually. So it's oh. pretty close. Okay. Yeah. So um, the iNext, I saw the iNext. It is a very futuristic-looking, they called it an SUV. It looks to me like a oversized wagon, almost. Okay. Um, but it is the height of an SUV. Um, all electric, also and um four passenger or five passenger um with a decent cargo area but the only way i could describe it and there are some pictures online of that actual car i mean it's the real thing mm. um there's there's plenty of pictures out there they let me take pictures of that so i do have pictures of that car um 
that ca- car has some interesting technology. They're talking about level four autonomous being available in this, which okay. will be the first level four um, car out there, at least for BMW. Um, and I don't think any other manufacturer has a level four on the road currently. Mm. Um, there's some level threes out there, but uh, this thing's going to be pretty pretty amazing. The rear seats are more lounge like, mm. and I think the you know the the future car usage they're thinking is people are just going to be kind of chauffeured around. They're going to be lounges. Yeah. Oh, and okay. The the uh, the that. controls you can control the car from the back seat as well, um, cool. and the controls are. In the, it's, it's hard to visualize, but it's in the fabric of the seat. And they have the technology today. They're actually showing so that you can basically control the iDrive, you know, tactilely through the fabric in the seat. It's, wow. it's, it's actually, um, it has feedback or sensors in the, in the hmm. I'd almost call it carpet. It looks like shag carpet in the back seat. It's very... Yeah carpet looking very comfortable very loungy very cool modern the moment you said loungy i visualized you you're getting into a car where like the doors open almost like french doors and like you're kind of in like are are, are you even still facing forward at this point you are and it it but it, it does look like the type of car where now the passenger seat looks to me like it spins around like you could just spin around face the people in the back be chilling with the you know your pals yeah. in the back seat right and, you know, you could be lounging out. I mean, if it's level four, that means you basically get in the car and say, I'm going here. And then, could, you know, I find it interesting bring, too with bring that, me there. Like the autonomous side of it, right? Where the car can drive itself. And then you have all these other people on the road who don't have that technology yet, who are driving manually and how those things interact. Because well, what, what it doesn't take you long to realize how many people are texting when they're driving and doing yeah, all other stuff. I, so what we're hearing and what the industry is talking about right now is that the, the humans driving will be far less safe and it's true yeah oh yeah than than the autonomous cars and and you know autonomy's not there yet yeah um i i think right now some of the real challenges especially here in the northeast is snow oh yeah so and, and you know that's the, those are the types of things they're working on i mean if it snows and you can't see the lines on the road you well, you have nothing that's the missing component the missing component is the road itself right correct you, you're not gonna have a smart car in the, in the same asphalt that we're driving on and i know that they've done no. some different countries have done different tests with different products where the road is allowing for feedback and I, that has to be a component in there um at some point where the road is going to be able to give that feedback to the to the car and the road should be able to take care of itself and i want to say it was greenland i could be wrong but they tested out this road with these hexagon plates yes in it. i've seen that yeah and f- the photos are phenomenal they did yeah. it on a mile strip one of the cooler things, there were two very interesting things about that. If there was a deer on the road or an animal, it would alert you to it in advance. Yeah. And yeah. light that up. So that's... Yeah, and that, they could change the, the lanes. Yes. like they, they Because the lanes are just displayed on right. the tiles. Yes. Yeah. And then the other thing was... Uh, I think it was solar, snow. wasn't it? Yes. Yeah, yeah and it, it could was, melt snow and... Yeah, it was really a genius idea. Why doesn't everybody have this? I don't know. I it, hope it's it probably a million dollars a square foot. It must be something crazy. <laughs> uh, but uh, in ice and snow, because it was solar, it was self-heated. Yeah. So it, you wouldn't have ice spots at all, which was phenomenal. And yeah, it was solar. And it actually changed... I don't know if they tested this part or if it was just theoretical to the product, but it would change where uh, wiring, electrical wires were. They would no longer be above ground. They'd actually move them to below ground because they would run 
that they would pull electricity off the solar grid, which was the road. Sure. So all that time when people aren't on the road or aren't covering that space, it's a, it's just pulling in all that energy and then putting it back onto the grid. Right. Um, and I mean, I don't. I, I don't remember where I saw that, but I did see that. Yeah, it's yeah. pretty cool. Yeah, it was, it, it was some kind of it was a solar scientist who was like retired who developed it. I, I don't quote me on that. I could be totally wrong, but yeah, don't quote me on anything. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's it's good to note at this point that our podcast is really meant to be a fun opportunity to hear two guys talk about some cool stuff uh, and interact uh, on a on a very casual level. Very casual. We're, we're not talking about news. We're not citing sources. Nope. No politics. No religion. No. Just a good opportunity to kind of hang, talk. This is some cool stuff that we heard that we're interested in. Yeah. Uh, and then, by all means, in the comment section, let us know what you're interested in. Give us your feedback. And, you know, I want to hear more about the interior on that, you know, M3. Like, well, actually. Yeah, the the M3, It, it now that you mentioned interior, yeah. the, yeah, the M3 that I saw. Interior. Yeah. <laughs> Um, was a really interesting combo in in terms of colors and and I hope they don't allow this in production but ah. it was uh, it was a lighter yellow exterior um, I'd liken it to BMW's Dakar yellow from years ago mm. on a, on an M3 an E36 M3 Didn't like that. Um, and the interior was a light blue and I would call it a cross between a powder blue and a robin's egg sort of blue okay. yeah um, very interesting. Now, I could see the blue interior on a white car, on a black car possibly, um, not much else. But on a yellow car, it was rough. Yeah. That's... I mean, I think they were just trying to say, hey, th- these are some of the possibilities. So, right. you know, regardless of how ugly this looks together, let's show them what a ye- what the yellow is going to look like and let's show them what the blue is going to look like right. on one car. Yeah. But, you know, some of the cool stuff, because I have a lot of people asking me, Will it come out in a manual? Mm. Well, the car I saw was a manual, so I'm going to say yes. Oh, and and I've been told yes. Uh, I've also been told that it'll be it'll be all all wheel drive or two wheel drive, and the manual trans will only be available in the two wheel drive, which is kind of common and, mm. and that we could expect. But there was some talk that there would not be a, a manual transmission because that's kind of the way of all manufacturers today. It's everyone seems to be leaving the manual transmission behind. Um, and will it be all-wheel drive? And the answer is yes to both, but okay. just not together. Yeah. I that, you know, a lot of the concept cars, they do these weird color combos. When Genesis came out with the Mint, which is this, like, little mini micro-machine thing. That doesn't sound good. Yeah, it wasn't good. Um, <laughs> but it was, like, they used this, like, mint ice cream color and this white interior and, you know... Okay, hmm. it's something, but it, do you it, think if it wasn't a Genesis, it would have worked? No, I think the philosophy was flawed. So the philosophy behind the car was that it was like a commuter car for the city and stuff. So you can zip around the city, get around real quick. Okay. Okay. So there's that's flawed on a few different reasons. City traffic. I don't want to be the smallest car. Yeah. I'm gonna get literally run over by the Tahoe. I, I, I'm not interested. Yeah. Um, you know, you need something a little bit more powerful. It seemed thin. Um, I can't imagine that, unless there were, it was made of pillows inside, that it was going to be all that safe. Uh, and it was a concept car. It was the idea of kind of like stretching the 
definition of commuter cars and kind of showing off a lot of interesting design elements and the steering wheel was really weird and unique and the tech and they had all the gesture control stuff and I think they were trying to show what the brand can do. Um, but all right, yeah, uh, I mean, you you gotta kind of expose people yeah. to what you're capable of, I guess. But that was in a uh, prototype, right? But that after that, it was really I just I hope nothing like that comes to market because I, I don't know. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. that's not a resounding no. Uh, excited no didn't look impression great. of the yeah. car. But on the flip side, their GV80 looks awesome. I mean, it actually does look like a really cool car it's the the design elements there are safe with a little bit of flair it's got some interesting headlights nice um i haven't seen nice that design the grill is huge i mean the grill is that that's a trend massive. and i mean you know not to talk about bmw's grills again but right. that that seems to be a, a really common theme i mean yeah. look at look at lexus i mean it's nothing but grill oh i know audi's grills have gotten really large as well yeah well you mentioned like the evolution revolution side of things and lexus is a really good example of a brand that's gone through a complete revolution in their cars and how quickly their cars now look dated i've and i like the yeah, brand, that's absolutely and, true but yeah, they, their their lineup is is kind of stale yeah. i mean it really is there's i i can't even name a, a hot lexus right now no. and and i'm sure there is one but right. i just it, there's nothing that stood out to me where i'm like wow that's yeah. that's a real competitor to the bmw right there's I mean, just nothing there yeah and i know that same with infinity for that matter. oh well geez infinity the, yeah. that brand puts itself out of business with how quickly they redesign the exteriors of their cars and i mean i'm not trying to say anything super but i, I mean no I, I mean i i think they make a great car they always have i just think that there's nothing exciting no in the lineup and no. not to me anyway i mean there's nothing nothing jumps out i'm like wow that's that's yeah. oh oh we better look out that that car's coming yeah well, i think haven't i haven't seen anything like that in a while I think if you're looking in the infinity you want some specific luxury elements and you can go to an infinity dealership at certain times of the year and certain times of the month and really get a crazy deal because they got to move move a car and so yeah that, that's can, that's the only thing that that keeps them going is yeah. that they'll have these lease programs that are just killer right. lease programs super low payments um, yeah. you know but those cars to me when i drive them they don't have a soul no they're they they do a job it's it's a an all-around utility sort of a job they're mm -hmm. decent looking enough the payments are very attractive, but the car doesn't have a soul. There's yeah. nothing exciting about it. There's no visceral experience driving an Infiniti. For me, anyway. Yeah. I mean, yeah. lots of people love them, and that's totally cool. I'm, yeah, I'm fine yeah. with that. It's just, I, you know, I like a car that does a different job. I agree. Yeah, I completely agree. As somebody who drove some soulless vehicles, my favorite one to, to me, which had the most soul, is, is the Jeep Wagoneer. I mean, that's one that I think it got soul over time. Right. That's one sure. that it when we talk about some things that next time when we do what age the best and what age the worst, we'll we'll talk a little bit about Jeeps and Absolutely. Um, you know, that's that's one car yeah. where little known fact I've owned a couple of Jeeps. All right. So we can, oh, we'll I, talk Jeeps. I didn't know that. That's we're why gonna, I knew it had a two fifty eight in it. There we go. I know these things. There we go. We're gonna get into some good stuff. So yeah. you know, it, cars that over time develop a soul, which is uh, phenomenal. Uh, let's take uh, maybe one or two minutes because we're we're a little over time. Let's talk. Uh, do one or two minutes just to tease episode four. Cool. Um, yeah. This I'm excited for. So well, laid on me. What is it? So all the tech that goes behind 
audio. Audio everything was probably what oh, I man. call it. You know, that's the episode where I'm right? just going to lose it, my mind. Yeah, because, you know, it's like uh, being a, a wine connoisseur or, you know, it's it's tasting all the different bourbons that are on the table and, and knowing all the different notes. Yeah, we have to do a bourbon episode at some point, too. We do. Yes, we do. Yeah, we'll yeah. have to find a venue for that. But, yes. yeah, we'll definitely do that. Um, but, you know, kind of taking it one step further into the audio realm, talking about some of the finer details of what makes truly high-resolution audio. Yeah, well, last week we didn't record an episode, but we had a chance to sit in my car and just, um, you know, kind of listen to what title sounds like through Apple CarPlay, which is, uh, you know, I found out sounded so much better, and I was trying to figure out why, and I was telling Pete the story last week. Um, It sounded so much better than streaming Bluetooth into the car, and I later found out that Apple CarPlay in the BMW is using Wi-Fi, and the bandwidth is significantly higher. Mm. There's, you know, less compression, if any at all, Um, and title high-res files and master files. Uh, we're coming through in the car exceptionally well, and it it sounded really good. Yeah, I mean, we were listening to J Cole. Yeah, and um, yep. what was the other musician? Uh, we listened to uh, Celeste. That's right. And um, let's see, it was one other. There's one other rap tune, I think. It, yeah, and but at the end of the day, you know, you're really hearing some of the finer details of these songs that. You know, yeah, you, I you think miss. your your explanation was was spot on, and I I don't think I could have said it any better. And and, and what you said while we were sitting in the car was, and next time we do something like this, we should mic it because yeah. you know it, it was in the moment. But um, you kind of likened it to a bouquet of flowers, oh, right? Right. And yeah, it's what, uh, it's the <laughs> it's the difference between uh, going to Shoprite and getting a bouquet of flowers. Right. It's, it's still yeah. arranged and it's nice, and your wife is going to like them. It's still a bouquet of flowers. Right. It's still nice. It smells good. And then going to a florist and having something professionally arranged and it's full and it's got the baby's breath and it's got a nice vase and it's been watered and it comes with a little vitamin packet and it lasts a little longer. That's kind of the difference between listening to something maybe on a CD, on a cassette tape, maybe even the radio, to listening to something in, in high resolution uh, through title. Yeah, um, and, you know, as we're sitting in the car, and I think I mentioned this to you at that time, um, it it's the one thing that I think a lot of people neglect and that's the source. Yeah. yeah. A lot of people think, Oh, it's, it's the, it's the speakers and sure it is. And it, it's the, it's the amplifiers, it's the yeah. equipment. Yeah, it is. Vinyl. I mean, all those things. Too. I want to get into that a little bit. Oh man, I could go on about yeah. vinyl, vinyl for days. Yeah. yeah. And one day I'll have to have you over and we'll, yeah. we'll spin some records. All right, cool. I'll bring mine over. Yeah. I got a few. Yeah. All cool. Right. Uh, thank you for listening to the auto. I, I hate to end this, man. I know, I, I, I know. Just, I feel like I'm, yeah, rhythm. I feel like I'm getting in the groove here, I know. unfortunately. So. I know. Uh, thanks for listening to the auto ish podcast. Yeah, uh, like and subscribe and all that stuff. We're yeah. we're finally um, listed and indexed on Apple, um, iTunes, Stitcher. I think mm-hmm. we're live on Stitcher and we're coming up on TuneIn now and all these other platforms. So please subscribe and. Uh, our email address is audio auto oops I almost did that uh, yeah. ah, I almost did <laughs> auto ish so a u t o i s h podcast at gmail dot com. If you got any questions, suggestions, you want us to talk about anything specific, um, just want to tell us how terrible we are. That's totally fine, man. <laughs> lay, lay it on us. Sounds good. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.